Hoffman. And Arnie Sherman. You're listening to What Do You Know on News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. Arnie Sherman, it's a good Sunday morning. Where are you, where are you piping in from this week? I'm piping in from New York City. I'm here for a few more days before I head back. I've had my fill of uh, New York food. I've been to Yankee and Mets games. I've been to uh, a couple of Broadway shows, fantastic shows. I've uh, been to museums. I'm doing my uh, my urban culture and uh, urban sports and urban food fix. And uh, as I'm going to share later with with uh, our guest, uh, uh, Heather Foster from the YMCA, I was, I was at the Yankee game the other day, and they were uh, appropriately doing the seventh inning stretch YMCA song, which everybody stands up and does the YMCA, and uh, we're going to be talking about that today. I, Arnie, I love the YMCA. You know, one of the things that I think fondly of is growing up, we had a YMCA in the town I grew up in, in Metuchen, New Jersey. Then when I had my first job in Hoboken, New Jersey, we had a great Y that I was a member of. And in Summit, New Jersey, where I live with my family, the services were incredible. And we were members of that as well. Yep. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, institution and, you know, it's changed over the years when, when we were kids growing up, certainly when I was a kid growing up, when I was a kid growing up, it was for young Christian men. Right. You know, and uh, now it's, a, you know, it's a family oriented affair. It's non-denominational. They have a whole plethora of programs from, you know, from six weeks old to, you know, to 80 you know, plus whoever's mobile or whoever can get into the facility. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're we're building and expanding the one we have in Missoula, which is, you know, a top notch uh, facility and you know, a top notch program under Heather Foster's leadership. It's a great, that's a, that, what a great initiative. Arnie, I don't know if you remember this, but growing up in New Jersey, my dad used to take me to the YMHA, the Young yeah, Men's yeah. Hebrew Association in Perth Amboy, yeah. New Jersey. And, yeah. uh, there it was, had the, it had the worst basketball team in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was five foot three. <laughs> it's a pamphlet famous yeah. jewish basketball players no it was arnie it had racquetball courts paddleboard courts a schwitz which we know is a steam room and a pool and it was where we gathered and it was you know that every denomination had its own gathering center and surely for the community here in missoula a ymca family gathering center is super important to growing the community Totally, totally, and it and it fits in with making sure it offers programs that are important that aren't being offered anywhere else. It's the number one child care provider in the state of Montana, if you can believe it. Incredibly, right? Nobody would have guessed that if I if I said to ninety nine percent of the people in Missoula, "What's the number one child care provider in the state of Montana?" They wouldn't say the YMCA unless they were part of that program and wouldn't know that. That's phenomenal, and we know how important child care is. And has become, uh, and it's central right now in terms of getting people back to work, right? And is, can Absolutely. a family afford to have their, to have a job and have their kids in childcare? So, yeah. you know, folks like Heather are doing incredible, incredible work. Yep. Right. Look forward back. to talking to her today. Yep. Back after this with our guest, Heather Foster, CEO of the Missoula area family YMCA. Arnie, we are back with CEO of the Missoula YMCA, Heather Foster. The Missoula Family YMCA. Because when I was a kid growing up, the YMCA was all guys. 
Hence the, you know, M in the YMCA. In fact, I was thinking about you um, the other day, Heather, because I was at Yankee Stadium, and in the uh, seventh inning stretch, the Yankee ground crew does the YMCA song, and everybody in the stands stands up and does, you know, the YMCA. You know, and that that famous song has migrated from being sort of a cult song when it first came out many years ago to now it's it's a ubiquitous um, song that's used in uh, – in many ballparks around the country, and is in a fixture at Yankee Stadium. So that's a that's my lead into talking to you today. So how are you? Well, that would, that YMCA song is on the top of the playlist every time we have some sort of <laughs> event. You know, you've got to get the whole crowd doing it because sure, might as well lead it's into in, it, right? It's infectious, and uh, you know, uh, sitting in the stands and it, it, the uh, they start playing it on the loudspeaker, and everybody stops what they're doing and starts. You know, doing the YMCA. They know how to do the letters and they know all the words. And it's a a great tribute, uh, you know, to the YMCA. So you've been there eight years and four years as the the CEO. So tell us a little bit about the family YMCA in Missoula. Well, it's funny when you said, you know, it was all for men first. I I started at RY as the HR director. And so I quickly almost want to launch into that new employee orientation, you know, where I say, we're not all young, we're not all men, we're not all Christian, but we're still an association that's really dedicated to bettering our community. And I think that's, that is what we are, right? So RY has been in Missoula for 55 years. This is our 55th anniversary um, this summer. So it was definitely started by a bunch of uh, a bunch of men many 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 years ago, and has really evolved over um, those decades to um, kind of put us in a place right now where we're asking, what do we want to do for the next fifty five years, and who do we want to be, and how do we make sure that we have a you know a community organization that is sustainable and um, continues to meet the needs of all of Missoula as we grow and change. And that's a very important thing to do because. For those who haven't been around the Y much, or or are from, or their experiences from the last century, the Y has already migrated away from the way some of older folks would remember it as a place to go swimming or to work out, you know, to a place that has a whole variety of programs. So tell us a little what you have now, and then kind of what the vision is as you're looking to move forward. Yeah. So each Y, regardless of the community it's in, kind of operates off of three pillars. It's youth development, healthy living, and social responsibility. Um, every Y looks a little different. So our Y is a particularly heavy childcare Y. We have two early learning centers, um, one that's on our main campus and another one that's across town. We're also a really large um, summer camp Y. So we have about 2,000 kids that participate in YMCA summer camps. Um, two of those camps are actually geared towards summer learning loss, and they're licensed summer camps, which means that families have access to Best Beginning Scholarship, which is a um, income-based scholarship through the state of Montana. And we're one of the only organizations in Missoula that runs licensed school-age programs. Um, we also run licensed after-school programs. So we operate at about um, 160 kids a day in after-school, kind of all over Missoula. Um, so that's a big piece of what we do is that youth development work. You know, anything from 
taking babies at six weeks old and getting them kindergarten ready to making sure that kids have safe places to go after school and during the summer where they can continue to learn and grow and meet benchmarks as they move through their elementary years. Um, and then healthy living for us, you know, we are a, a facility that has a gym and we have a membership based, um, you know, about 3,500 people utilize our Y as a, as a health and wellness facility. Um, we have a pool, um, which, you know, includes things like swim lessons, 13 to 1400 swim lessons are given at our Y every year. And um, we have a competitive swim team. Uh, we also have, um, you know, group exercise that takes place in our pool that's for seniors and people with lowered mobility. But if you really wanted to like co-try one of those classes, I think I would potentially drown. They're really hard. So (laughs) as it sounds, Um, you know, we do typical group exercise classrooms, anything from spin to Pilates to yoga, um, all the way up to the high intensity hit style exercise. Um, We also run a, a program called active six, I think one of the things that makes us unique as a health and wellness facility is we love, you know, teenagers, right? A lot of facilities don't want 12 year olds going through their gym and um, we want all of them. So we have a active six program where we give every sixth grader in Missoula a free membership to come to our Y. And it's really our dedication to making sure that kids have access to health and you don't necessarily have to keep playing sports. Um, you know, you can still get your heart rate up, learn what your body feels like when it's sweaty, that that's a good thing. Learn some healthy habits um, early on, even if you're not participating in sort of those organized competitive sports. Uh, youth sports is a big thing, too. So we started soccer in uh, in Missoula many, many moons ago and uh, continue to run a really robust program. So there's about 900 kids plus each season, two seasons throughout the year. Hundreds of kids play YMCA basketball, we do volleyball, we do sports camps. Um, and then, you know, the social responsibility piece of what we do as a charitable nonprofit, every program from membership to childcare, after school, everyone has access to financial assistance. We go out and raise money every year in our community um, to make sure that no one is ever turned away for the inability to pay for our programs. We really believe in equitable access to health and wellness and that every kid should be able to go somewhere safe after school. Um, and so we raise about $325,000 a year and give out roughly $700,000 um, in community subsidies and direct financial assistance every year. So that's kind of who we are. You know, we started in that <laughs> little yellow building. A lot on our campus. Um, and it was more about youth sports and um, physical activity. They did wrestling and um, square dancing in that little yellow building and then built our main main facility. And it's just kind of continued to grow every year and every decade looks a little bit different. What's it like so, though? What's it like, you know, post pandemic in terms of like, how are things changed? Because what you're talking about, it's really bringing the community together and all these different aspects, but things have changed, certainly. How has that, you know, impacted you? Yeah, they have changed a lot. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, for us, we never stopped when the, the pandemic hit, and that's because we are such a heavy childcare YMCA. And so we kind of, you know, when the health and wellness facility shut down, we leaned into that 
youth development piece. So we opened emergency childcare um, for sort of essential employees and first responders. We worked with the hospitals to make sure that there were slots for caregivers. Um, then we, as the school district, started to open back up and go to a hybrid schedule. We opened um, kind of remote sites all over Missoula, all the way through to Bonner, where we would do homework help. Um, kids would be able to come there on the off days that they were in their school classrooms and be able to keep up. We had 150 laptops that we were able to purchase through some um, federal funds that were flown through our state and um, kind of propped up that emergency child care for months and months and months. So in a lot of ways, we haven't we haven't changed in that. We don't have 250 kids in the gym anymore. That's for sure. That used to be my favorite part of summer camp. You would walk in in the early morning and all of those kids would be in there ready to go to their many different camps. Um, so group sizes have really changed. Um, we spread out through Missoula in a really different way. You know, our um, facility is incredibly important to us, but the why isn't just the building, right? The why is the people, the why are the programs that we operate. And so that has changed. Um, we've made more meals outside of our school district. We're the largest provider of nutritious meals to Missoula kids. So we provide about 130, 140,000 meals in the course of a year. So that kind of ramped up a little bit more. Um, we're seeing some people return to membership. I think as a nonprofit, a, the majority of people really kept paying their membership dues, even though they weren't coming into the facility. But we started, you know, streaming our exercise classes and created a platform for online workouts. Now when people travel somewhere, they can still see their local instructor and be able to attend a class remotely. And um, so we've had to innovate kind of our business operations and and look forward to, you know, what does this look like as, as we move into the next couple of years? What do our members want? What does our community need? Um, taking a deep dive into our facility infrastructure, fresh air intake into our building, what does filtration look like? All of that um, became a lot more important for us operationally. Sure. And is it, how many people do you employ there? We have about 350 employees. Wow. Um, so a lot of those employees are part-time. Uh, we definitely ramp up in summer. We I just ran some numbers. Our... Let's see, our largest group of employees, it's about 48% of our staff team is under the age of 22 right now. So we employ a lot of people. Yeah. You're certainly the largest youth employer organization in town for sure. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So Heather, you got all of this stuff going on. I mean, it's a plethora of things all over the map for almost every age group. But additionally, since you're the largest child care provider in the entire state of Montana, you're right at the crosshairs of this discussion about child care. It comes up in every discussion. We have somebody here who has a restaurant and we ask them, what's the number one problem you're having after pandemic? And they say, can't get child care for our employees. You know, women who have stayed home with their families want to go back to work and they can't go back to work because there, you know, there isn't an adequate child care available. What's your assessment of the situation, you know, in Missoula and Montana, and and what do we need to do about it? It's the Department of Labor just put out some numbers that said about fifty one thousand Montanans either left the workforce or reduced their hours based on lack of affordable, um, accessible childcare. That's big. That's so, um, 
it is critical. And in some ways, I'm, I'm slightly uh, happy about this because I think it's really showing employers in particular how important childcare is to our workforce. Um, I, I think it, it's not something that we've necessarily taken advantage of, but it hasn't been top of mind as we think about, um, you know, how do you build a workforce? How do you retain them? How do you recruit them? So I think the why has a big role to play in, in Missoula in particular, um, which is a part of kind of the next step of what we're looking to do. You know, our, our facility is, is older. <laughs> She's well loved and well used by 15,000 people a year, uh, and definitely pretty tired. So it's time for a refresh there. Um, so we've been talking about a capital campaign with our why and, um, looking at, you know, who we need to be for at least a decade. But now, you know, we're hearing loud and clear and, and we're participating in it. We know that childcare is one of the critical things that needs to, um, needs to change. And so we have launched a capital campaign. We're uh, looking to do a pretty large capital campaign, one of the largest in Missoula outside of our university or hospital systems. Um, it's $15 million with the crux of that being um, building a new child care center. On our campus right now, we serve about 55 kids from um, six weeks old up to five years. And we're looking to build a brand new facility that will um, have um, spaces for 96 children and in particular, doubling our uh, capacity for infants. That's really where you see um, quite the shortage in, in Missoula. It's the lost leader in a child care center. It's the space that, um, you know, you, you don't even break even holding babies. You can't quite charge even nearly enough um, and have it be accessible to families. So um, we're lucky that we're a large enough organization and we have multiple revenue streams, including membership. So we subsidize infant care, so we're able to do more of it. And that's one of the first things that we're going to tackle as we do this capital campaign. And, and the campaign is called Here for Good, right? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? What does Here for Good mean? Yeah, you know, it kind of feels a little like a plan words to me. It's uh, yeah. uh, we're, we're here for good, to do good things, to uh, make good things happen. And, and we want to be here for good. For the long haul, right? We, we don't want to be uh, an organization that um, kind of shows up and disappears. And whether it's me or somebody else, we want to create this sustainable nonprofit that, that is able to be here for all the good things. Right. You know, it seems to me, and I may be wrong about this. I haven't done the research, but during the pandemic crisis, there seemed to be a diminution in the number of daycare slots available because people couldn't take kids into their house. I think there was a program that that was uh, going gangbusters, uh, my, you know, my village. And I think that uh, they ran into difficulties. I'm not even sure they're in operation anymore. And they had great plans to build a, a child care infrastructure. So so one of the you know consequences of the of the pandemic has been uh, less options out there. And even if you raise 15 million dollars and go to 96 slots and all that, there's still going to be a need in the community. I mean, this isn't going to solve the problem. But it's a step, obviously, a large step in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scott, what do you what do you do at Town Square with employees that have to take care of their kids? You know, uh, fortunately, there's daycare <laughs> within you know uh, you know in our same kind of block that they are able to use. Um, but 
it's, you know, there's not enough. Ultimately, there's not enough daycare um, in town for working parents to take advantage of. And the cost of it also, the cost of it also is just, it could be astronomical. Some people are electing not to go back to work. I mean, fortunately, we haven't had much of that. But uh, that's a decision folks need to make. Is it do they? Is it cost them more to work? And so, how, uh, so how much does child care cost at, at the Y, Heather? Depends on the age um, and the number of days per week. But if you're looking at you know full time infant care, which is the most expensive, uh, I think it's you know nine hundred and eighty five dollars. I don't one hundred percent quote me. You could look on the website. We put it out right. There. <laughs> um, but it's, a month. It's, a month. Yeah. It's yeah. very expensive. Yeah. You know? And, and I know some centers are, you know, able or need to charge upwards of twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month. So right. So if you're, so if you're a parent or a single parent, you're out there, you're making $2,000 a month or $2,500 a month after taxes, after paying your rent, after paying for gas and car, you don't have enough money left to, to pay for it. I mean, right. So that's, that's a big chunk. That's Absolutely. a third of that's a third of a lot of people's gross income in Missoula. You bet. For a single parent in particular. Yeah, the system really is um it's it's a little broken, right? Like and it's even harder being a child care provider because the need to pay our empl- I don't know if it's harder, but it's challenging to be a provider because the need to pay our employees more is becoming it really critical. You know, we, right. we have our own workforce shortage. We need to be able to recruit and retain quality employees. Um, you know, I, I, I try so hard to get everybody to change the language from daycare to childcare or even better early education because, you know, those years are formative, right? And you sure. need to have consistent, high quality, well-trained employees that are there every day caring for one of the most precious things that families have. Totally. Um, so it's it's tough because we need to pay them more like teachers and the lead teachers need to be paid like teachers and the assistant teachers need to be paid at least like paraeducators. And um, that's how we're going to recruit really great employees to work in those yeah. those fields. We pay them more like pet sitters. Yeah, we were. We worked. <laughs> Really hard in the last two years. You know, I, my background was HR. And when I first started working at the Y, um, I can't even think about the wages that we paid when I first started working there. And we have um, we have a board of directors that's really committed to making sure that we're starting to pay much more livable wages in, across the board. And so for the first time ever, we have an actual wage scale um, and our own, you know, minimum wage and a career ladder so that people can see how you can progress we kind of mm-hmm. think of ourselves as a launching pad for so many people. We get them when they're really young and we teach just babies, 15 year olds, 14 and a half year olds, how to get certified in lifeguards and, right. and camp counselors sure. and create that path. But we also want people to know that it could, it could really be a career. You could turn into a, a director and run in your camp or, um, you know, run your own classroom and create your own curriculum. And so there is real opportunity and, We've worked pretty hard to try to try to map that out. You know, in some communities like Chicago, where they have a very strong youth service infrastructure and culture, there are executive directors of youth agencies that have been running those agencies for 40 years, 40, 50 years. I know some of them. They got their they became a director in 1976 and 46 years later, they're still running these youth agencies. So there is a future and a career. And obviously it's 
It's very uh, meaningful work and satisfying work. Mm-hmm. Lately, I know this week, this past week, Missoula Economic Partnership had a discussion about child care issues. I know the governor is holding a conference on child care. Uh, I know that you're involved in it. What's your message to elected officials about what they ought to be doing? Well, I'm a big supporter of the Best Beginnings um, scholarship program that's funded through the state. It's incredible. You know, um, for us right now, one in three families that use our child care. And when I say that, I mean um, from early education all the way through to summer camp and after school, one in three receive some sort of financial assistance. Um, a lot of those families are using Best Beginnings. Um, and for anything that's unlicensed or if for whatever reason they don't meet a criteria, they're using, um, they have access to our YMCA financial assistance. But that program is critical. Um, and making sure that it, you know, it's, it's that if we didn't have it, oh my goodness, I don't even know what our workforce would look like. So A, I'm a huge advocate of that. And then I, I think advocating around talking about what what really it means to be an early education teacher, how they should be paid, um, what training should be available, what that training pipeline should look like. And um, the state tries pretty hard, I think, to create the, the training, but there's some work that could be done there um, to also make it easier for employees to kind of be more mobile. We don't have a substitute pool like you might have in an elementary school um, so kind of having that pipeline of employees would be a game changer for child care centers. Mm-hmm. Looking at licensing, you know, I think um, there are some real benefits to running a big center like we have. Uh, but there's also challenges. It's volume, right? It's tough, tougher to get accredited. We're operating a, an 11 and a half hour day. And so that means we have to rely on a big piece of part time work. Um, you know, we have our core full-time teachers, but, but part-time is, that's a tough group to manage. They're a little bit more transient by nature. They might be college students looking to do something else, um, you know, figuring out what do benefits look like. And um, so that, that can be a little bit more challenging, but I think taking a, a deep dive into childcare licensing and making sure that um, it's creating safe quality environments for children, but also not so many barriers um, that people don't want to get in that business. Either. I was going to say, does do things like trends like the great resignation and just, you know, the difficulty that employers have in hiring good talent, has that impacted you as well? Um, or has it been a little more, a little less because these are vocations and careers and people are, you know, they may be studying physical education or early education in college. So this is part of their, I don't want to say apprenticeship, but part of their training. Yeah, it's um, the school district is killing us in Missoula because they have seen such a big resignation of teachers moving out of the education field. And if people were able to get out early, they did. Um, and so they have been hiring like crazy where before it was tough to get a teaching job in Missoula. Yeah. Years and years. And, um, so we were able to keep them for a long time and have them working for us. And, um, and then they might be able to get their foot in the door at the school district, but the districts are hiring like crazy. And so mm-hmm. that is the trickle down for us as we're seeing a lot of those people have opportunity to go work in elementary schools, um, use their early, you know, their degrees, which is, which is great. Right. Right. And, why I, I, I want to try to create or work with people to create a momentum to say like early education teachers are still teachers. Um, they're not sure. just 
daycare providers, right? They're not just keeping your kids safe and feeding them and changing a diaper. They really are building curriculum. They're talking about kindergarten readiness. They're doing assessments. They're making sure that, you know, kids are leaving childcare centers ready to go. Mm. Do you have a good relationship with the university and the local colleges in terms of as like a feeder network to part-time help? Yeah, we, we definitely get a lot of college kids, um, for summer camp in particular. Some for after school. We utilize, um, volunteers from the university to run programs like our active six from the HHP program. Um, we also have a program for, a, it's like our adaptive and inclusive athlete program. So it's for individuals with, um, physical or intellectual disabilities or differently mm. abled. Um, and we use some of the PT students to come and work with us. Childcare is a little tougher. They they run their own childcare at the university, and so they are for sure trying to get that pipeline in their door first. Um, but yeah, we do. Um, housing good. is playing a role in wow. our ability to keep those college kids around. Um, so so it's this MEP. What they're doing this week has been really interesting to participate in that. Well, you know, it's interesting, Heather. You started out as you mentioned in, in human resources, HR. And now you're operating, uh, you know, a comprehensive social service agency. And you also mentioned and you've and you've spoken about the role you have in child and youth and family advocacy, which is a, an area that the YMCA has done historically and doesn't always, you know, blow its own horn about. But I but I, I shared this story with you, Heather. I don't think Scott knows this, but my first international conference I ever went to launched my international career. I was part of a U.S. delegation going to Helsinki, Finland, to attend the World Forum of Students and Youth. And the U.S. government at the time, because of politics with Russia, Soviet Union, uh, canceled the official U.S. delegation. And 37 Americans that were going to go over there to try to, you know, meet their counterparts in other countries were uh, left stranded. And Steve Hayes, who was head of international relations at the YMCA of the USA, talked his boss into sponsoring and underwriting the cost of the entire delegation to go to Finland. They thought it was that important for, for leadership and for advocacy wow. and for us having a presence. So the first event that I ever, I traveled to uh, and, and saw the world, you know, if, if from a leadership perspective, if you will, was under the YMCA and that really was responsible for what's going on. You're not trained. You weren't trained to be a youth advocate. You weren't trained. You didn't go to school to come out of here and advocate for this stuff. How have you found that voice as part of the work you've done? Yeah, I'm, well, I, I think hopefully I'm a quick study. Um, but I have, I kind of feel like the why is a little bit of my Oprah full circle moment. Um, right. you know, when I, when I went to college, I wanted to be a child and family counselor with an emphasis on, you know, early education and, um, you know, when I was in school, I didn't pay anything at all. And, uh, I was, uh, got married young, became a young mom, graduated, and I still had a baby. Um, so it was, it was kind of a weird time. And I immediately started doing insurance and HR. And that took me into, you know, HUD subsidized housing and more HR. And, um, and then when I walked in the door of the Y, I had no idea what the YMCA was or what it did. And, um, you know, I, I thought like, Ooh, this is some real nonprofit work. Like these people work harder than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, the CEO that hired me walked in my door one day and said like, Oh, I saw you drink the Kool-Aid. Like, looks like you're in, you're in, you're in for the long haul here. <laughs> um, 
And so this, this role in the weirdest way is, is that full circle kind of, I, I found a, a place where I get to kind of lean into all the things that I love. And, uh, it was not anything that was expected, uh, at all, but I have always sort of loved advocacy and policy. And, um, so that's, that's an interest. So that's, that's good. Um, so it's a, it's a strange fit and it is such a people business. I think being in HR for so many years, it's, it's all about people, you know, we're, we're growing people in our programs, we're growing staff. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, I've never been bored one day either. <laughs> and your customers are people, right. so <laughs> your clients. So you yeah. went to MSU Billings, but you also, did you spend some time at, at Ohio State as well? I did a couple of courses, you know, some um, senior courses. I was at a, a independent living facility, and so I was able to take a couple of courses there as well. But but uh, you got your formative training, uh, college training at MSU Billings. Yep, right? I did. It was the furthest away I could go from Corum, Montana, which is where I was born, um, and still paid state tuition. <laughs> I had no other theory idea of why to go to Billings than that. <laughs> You know what I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm really happy to see uh, is like the YMCA, the Missoula Public Library, you know, the uh, Parks and Recreation, the services that Missoula provides young families and seniors, right, and just families in general, are not are are, are well are well taken care of and are hopefully well funded to be a real boon for this community. Um, and I don't know that every other communities have this type, these types of resources available. I am curious though, how often do you communicate with your peers in the other major kind of towns and, and municipalities across Montana? Yeah, um, we meet monthly. So the CEOs of all the Ys across Montana, we have a, at least a, a monthly meeting. Sometimes it's virtual. Sometimes we go to each other's Ys so we can see what they're doing. Um, and then we also participate in two other groups. One is called the Mountain State Alliance. So it's Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, um, and Baker City, Oregon, for whatever reason they're in there. Um, and then there's another one that's sort of a regional hub with Duluth, Minnesota, and um, a few other Ys. And we kind of um, yeah, we communicate a lot. And I think that was one of the good things from the pandemic. Uh, you know, virtual meetings really became a thing. We were connecting a lot more. We were talking about like, how are you handling COVID in a classroom? What does it look like for members returning to your facility? And how are you keeping social distance? And, um, so that, that really got strengthened a lot during the pandemic and it's something and, we keep moving. And how often are you communicating with folks like at the library or parks and rec or the mayor's office or the city council? Like, because you're a prominent figure in the community, given, you know, the group that you work with and your mission. Yeah, I, I think this capital campaign has really helped us um, branch out and communicate with more people. I, I do think maybe the nature of our why, or I don't know if it's a large nonprofit, but you can get a little like this. Um, we we have partnerships with a lot of other small nonprofits. So, you know, like discounts for or free access for like um, the youth homes and okay. you know, talking about like the... National Guard uses our Y to train Boy Scouts, get their swimming badges, you know, so we do that kind of stuff, but it's more of us being a facility that they come to. Sure. Uh, so I think as we've been doing this capital campaign, you know, reaching out to uh, more and more organizations that even do similar work, like 
like Parks and Rec is a great example, right? Talking to them about what is their, what's their plan for the future and what is ours and how do we make sure that we're not duplicating services? You know, we are a little different. We're, we're a charitable nonprofit, 501c3. We don't really take, uh, we don't even really qualify for any, um, state, county, uh, federal funds. So everything that we do, we privately fundraise this capital campaign that we're working on. Um, you know, it's, it's not something that you would bond or ask taxpayers for. It is true individual donors choosing to contribute to our project. Um, how so, much of your role, how much of your job really is chief fundraising officer? Because right now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It's a, it's a, I don't think people know that that's, you know, a CEO's job. It's like, it's like the president of a university is really to work with donors and to yeah. find, find new donors. Yeah. It's really ramped up. You know, we launched our silent phase of this campaign about seven months ago. Um, so, you know, I've, it's like a hundred cups of coffee is the goal for a week, right. Or maybe even more. Um, sometimes it's French fries, who knows, whatever, whatever people are excited about, that is what we do. Sure. Um, touring people through the building. That's my favorite thing. Cause you actually get to see our programs and in, in action and you get to see our staff and the kids happy. And, um, so it's, it is the majority right now. I am so lucky. I have a incredible team of people that I am lucky enough to work with. And um, we have a COO there. Her name is Carrie McHugh. And so she's like boots on the ground operations person um, right. while, while I'm out drinking coffee with the donor. A hundred cups is a lot. By the way, let's do a quick idea. Our guest is Heather Foster, CEO of the, the, y, the Missoula family YMCA. I probably got that wrong, but okay. No, yeah. you got it right. So Heather, I'm sitting out here thinking of writing you a check. I've gone to the yeah. here for yeah. good, here for good. And no coffee either. <laughs> yeah, without even any coffee. What's my money going to go for? What are you going to do with 15 million bucks? Yeah. Um, so many things. We're so excited. So first, <laughs> first thing first is building that new childcare center. You know, the, the building that we operate, the, um, six weeks to three years old, we call it the IT building. It's a little yellow building or cream color now because it's sun bleached. Um, that was the original why. So that building has been there for a very long time. It was a donated facility. Um, it was past its prime a couple of decades ago. So we will get rid of that building. We will combine our preschool, which is in the back half of the Y, all into one building, about 6,600 square feet, um, 90 plus kids capacity and build that first. Then we'll have a big vacant space in the back of our Y where that other preschool classroom was. So that is going to become our youth innovation hub. Um, You know, we have, we have about 7,500 kids that utilize the Y in the course of the year. Um, A big piece of our membership base is is kids. After the age of seven, you can be unsupervised in the Y. And um, so that space is going to become the gathering space. We're, uh, we've always been screen free, right? We've, we try to get kids physically active and doing all of that, but we recognize we're missing big groups of kids because it's what they're doing. They're going home and they're playing video games in their basement by themselves unsupervised. And so we're going to um, work with the Montana High Tech Alliance to do a big design charrette and um, build out this youth innovation space that will include a gaming wall. You know, kids get to game in community instead of isolation. They, they get to do it supervised instead of uh, unsupervised and um, and then we want to build in curriculum how do you build a game how do you code a game what does that look like we'll probably create some sort of 
um, music, mixing, uh, the number of kids doing TikTok videos in our hallways. It's, it's <laughs> a pretty high percentage. So we can teach them how to use a green screen. How do you edit that um, video content? And then the, the second half of that space is there's a preschool kitchen that's in there right now. Um, so we're going to renovate that. And that will be more like that makerspace life skills. The number of kids that, you know, don't even know how to make a box macaroni and cheese is is pretty high. Um, so our hope is that we can um, infuse some of those life skills classes in there, teach them how to make healthy snacks. Maybe uh, one day they'll be eating kale chips instead of Doritos while they're gaming. Um, so that will happen in that space. It's going to be so fun to build. A couple other things that will happen is um, we have a, a space right now that has a bunch of refrigeration in it. It's where we do all of our cold meal prep. We're going to renovate that, close it off so it's staff only. And then the front half of that will become community gathering. Um, you know, the pandemic has taught us that so many people are mobile workers now. And uh, I don't know if that will really change. So we want to create this you know, our bridge and pinochle club that comes and hangs out in our lobby right now, they can come and do that in that space in this sort of coffee house vibe, um, but also make it tech and high tech enough that it could be a co-working space. So if you needed to come and um, your kid was on the climbing wall, you could plug into a Zoom meeting and be able to do that. Uh, we'll you, renovate our, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say so you so, I know, I know you love, you love all this. You can see your enthusiasm. You've, yeah. you've so, You've so outgrown your space oh. and it's been there for so long. I mean, Scott, it's been there longer than, you know, Shea Stadium and City Field have been. They've torn a whole baseball stadium down that was built in the sixties and built all new stadium. Sure. You're still operating out of the old facility. It's, it's a remarkable yes. that you can do the programs that you are already, you know, um, articulating given the limitations of the, of the facility. And obviously the $15 million will give you you know, the infrastructure to, you know, to start planning the things, you know, for the future that weren't even on the radar screen five years or six years ago. Nobody knew what TikTok was then or, yeah. or you know, right. and all of a sudden it's, you know, I have to say, Scott, I was at a base, I was at the Yankee game. It was a pivotal point in the game. It was a, it was a uh, zero, zero game in the ninth inning. And I turned around and the six teenagers behind me were all texting on their phones and not even watching <laughs> the game. Yep. I want. I didn't want to abuse them, but I wanted to yell. At so them. much for keeping the box score. You do it. <laughs> you know, you're. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Well, you know, Heather, your enthusiasm is is great. Well, I'm curious. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Because this is like this is. Have you ever given that any thought? No, I can't even imagine. I don't have time to think about stuff like that, right? Uh, Will you be helping some other community-oriented organization? I'm surprised someone hasn't, like, snatched you up and said, hey, we need you to work over here. Yeah, no, Missoula's my home for sure. Um, I kind of fell into this role in a, in a strange way as a reluctant uh, interim CEO. And um, I love it more than I ever imagined I would. So I think they'd have to really pry me out of that place. So, so when you're out meeting your colleagues in, in the YMCA, I'm not, I'm not trying to denigrate any other center out there. Is there a center that is as good as this one in our region? Or are you the, really the flagship for what's going on? I, <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm, I'm serious because I know a lot about community-based youth agencies and the, the breadth of programs that you have is extraordinarily impressive. And so is there somebody out there that is a model for you or is there someone that's, you know, a contemporary of yours in terms of, of the, of the breadth and depth of the programming they offer? 
you know, we have a, we call it our crush. Why, right? Like we, um, we love to watch Boise and what they're doing. Um, their whys are monsters and have so many different programs and a lot of public private community partnerships. That is, is kind of exciting to see, you know, for example, like the, uh, um, one of the pools in Boise is a parks and recreation pool in a YMCA. They got it bonded, they got it built and wow. then the Y operates it. So it no longer becomes a taxpayer burden to operate. So there's some really beautiful things that we kind of watch them. And, um, and I think pandemic also helped us open our eyes to so many other Y's. Um, so we have some crush, crush Y's out there. We're the only um, Y in Montana, with the exception of the Gallatin Valley Y that does early education. So we're just a little different, mm-hmm. I think. Um, some the billing sure. and, and you should be our camp. You're supposed to fill. You're supposed to fill the needs in the community and take a look at what's being offered. And you don't want to duplicate. There's no. Right. There's no. Uh, you know. There's no glory in trying to go raise the funds that, that somebody else is already doing the same kinds of program and maybe doing them well. But uh, but you kind of fit in and mold yourself as a puzzle piece. And in this case, it's, you know, a, a large puzzle piece for sure. Anyway, Arnie and I will be right back with our guest, Heather Foster from the Missoula area family YMCA. Back after this. Don't see we are back with our guest, Heather Foster. So Heather, give us those few things to round out with how the capital campaign, how the here for good campaign is going to spend the money. Okay, so a few other things that we're going to do. Um, we are going to renovate the entire facility. You know, a, a lot of it is is outdated. So, of course, all the locker rooms will get renovated. We'll create um, locker rooms that meet the needs of our community. You know, individual toilet sink, shower, um, great dads, daughters, moms, sons, individuals with caregivers. So create a space like that. We'll add an additional group exercise classroom to the top of the Y. And we'll adjust our um, child watch area, which is a two-hour free child care space. Um, so if you're a member of the Y, you get to bring your kid there for two hours. It's open evenings, weekends, off hours. Um, we're going to expand that. So now kids ages five to seven um, will be able to utilize that space and enjoy it. So we're going to build a two-story big kind of um, indoor play structure in that space. And then we're also going to do an outdoor turfed area for exercise. Um, I think that's something we learned through COVID that people really want that indoor outdoor experience, Mm -hmm. Um, but still the accountability of being in a group class or having personal trainer or even, you know, doing lawn bowling and bocce. Um, And then the last piece, which is kind of the cherry on top of the whole thing is an airnasium. It's an outdoor court space um, that will able to, will, build garage doors so you can pull it down and put in those big blower heaters. So it's open 12 months out of the year, basketball, volleyball, pickleball. Um, you know, as we work to design this plan, the goal was that multi-generational van. They roll up and it's grandparents and adults and teens and toddlers and every single person would have a place to go in this Y. Everybody would have a program that worked for them. And then they would have spaces that they come back together as a family. And so that's kind of the vision for this whole capital campaign. What's amazing about I'm just imagining it. Do you have enough real estate to expand and to accommodate for this you know, this influx, quite frankly, of uh, based on the services you're providing and the expansion. 
Yeah, we actually do, which is, um, which is great. You know, we sit on a plot of land that was, um, donated to the city, then donated to the county. And then, um, it was earmarked specifically for youth and recreation. And so we have a hundred year lease with this space with the uh, option to be able to renew for as many years as we want. We prepaid it all those years ago, a dollar a year. So that hundred dollars, you know, we're, we're pretty set. Um, <laughs> we're, we're 55 years into that lease and. Um, so we have great space. Uh, we've entered into a parking agreement with the fairgrounds who are excellent neighbors and we'll be able to have shared parking. So we don't have to give up any of our prime real estate to create more parking. So we'll be able to push, you know, our 300 employees who really clog up our parking over towards the fairgrounds and have more member and program parking on our, on our main campus. It's great. Lastly, yeah, how do people find out, right, Arn? Yep, that's exactly. Where where do they go to find the web, you know, the website link and and where do they go to contribute and where do they go to see the plans? The website is ymcaherefogood.com. You can find out uh, more about our capital campaign, see some renderings of what it's going to look like. There's of course the donate button, right? You have to, yeah. uh, this is going to, this is going to take every single person to help us get across this finish line. Um, it is a $15 million campaign and we are $7.5 million in. So we have had a great silent campaign. Um, the other really exciting thing that we have right now is a million dollar grant opportunity million dollar grant match opportunity. Um, we were given a million dollars as a, um, a challenge match for the community. And so for every dollar that we raise through this October period, um, this foundation will match it dollar for dollar. So that's pretty exciting, hopefully motivating to get people to, to write a check. <laughs> so Heather, you're a di- you're a dynamo. That's for sure. Oh, thanks. This is, it's pretty fun. You know, YMCA. Hereforgood.com. Right. Right. And that, and is that linkable off of your existing y, Missoula Family YMCA page? Not yet. It is a standalone website, but soon it will be fixed. <laughs> okay. But still, so let's repeat that URL one more time. YMCA Hereforgood.com. That's right. And if people have questions that a website can't answer, can they make an appointment with you or your staff to ask questions? Absolutely. I would love to give anybody a tour, um, talk to them about the campaign. I am, I am. How a would they do that? How would they do that? Um, the easiest way is to call. It's uh, 721 YMCA. Uh, the front desk would put them right through to me or they can email me at hfoster at ymcamissoula.org. That's great. Oh, what a delightful guest, Arnie. Yes, Heather, thank you so much for joining us today. I know how busy you are. We appreciate your uh, coming in, and, uh, you know, we're rooting for you, and we'll do what we can to help. Thank you so much. I appreciate being on. Thank you, Heather. Bye. Take All care. Right. See you next week, Arnie. Thank you for listening to What Do You Know? I can't wait for the next show, Scott. I'm excited too, Arnie. If you'd like to suggest a guest, send me an email at scottrichman at townsquaremedia.com. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening to News Talk KGVO.